All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. Free shipping, Canada-wide, on any order over $50. Be sure to check them out online, uh, like I said, ZephyrEpic.com or at their retail location in Surrey and across all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and on Twitch, weekly case break openings, uh, all the social media platforms, they've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. So be sure to go check out our friends 
at Zephyr Epic. My name is Dave Quadrilli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Uh, it's a beautiful day, Chris. And, you know, recording this on a Thursday, shout out everybody on the YouTube live show and also shout out everybody on the podcast who's watching our show. Um, you're, you got your Jays jersey on. I, and I need to be reminded, Alec Manoa, is that who's on the back there? Uh, this one is my Vladdy one. My dark blue is my Alec Manoa. And look what I got from Zephyr Epic. Full box of uh, Series 2. Do you know what the rookie card is here in Series 2 quads? The big one. The chase card, they call it. I learned that at, the, at Zephyr Epic. I was out there yesterday. It's Andre Kazmanko. And hey, look, now that I don't have the mic in my hands, I can still talk while I'm opening a pack. So this uh, this headset, great investment. Let's see if we can pull anything. The Andre Kazmanko rookie card. That's what we're looking for. And you can get these in store at Zephyr Epic as well. We do have a young gun. And I do got to bring up a story from yesterday at Zephyr Epic. Uh, Riley Walsh is our um, is our young gun. Is that Alan Walsh's kid? I think it is. I think this is Alan Walsh's kid. Uh, I know he's got a he's got a kid, I think, who's uh, on the on the cusp of jumping into the uh, into the NHL. We got the music in the background here. I know Alex. Alex is doing two shows. Yeah, right I don't now. know. <laughs> I don't hate it. I'm just saying. It, I don't it know is... if Alex knows that one. No, I don't think he does either. He's uh, he's got the Sens guys going on the other channel there. I have no problem with it. It's it's a vibe. But let me tell you about Zephyr Epic. I'm out there last uh, yesterday filming some stuff. Uh, brought intern Emil out there as well. And you know, you know me, quads opening up cards. I normally I have a hot hand a lot of the time, right? You know, I mean, I pulled the the Quinn Hughes Young Gun a couple times. Uh, I got the Patterson one on one of my first couple packs. So Emil comes by, he's doing a lot of filming, so I, I tap him in for two packs to open up two of these rookie cards. And I'm not really getting a lot. We're getting some okay cards here and there, but nothing special. And then Emil goes up, he pulls two packs, and in one he gets a Brant Clark Young Gun, and in the other one he gets a David Yurichik Young Gun. So his two packs, pretty much the two best defensemen in the class uh, for Young Gun cards. So shout out to Emil. We were out there at Zephyr Epic yesterday. Uh, great folks out there. Ty was giving us a hand. You can catch him on there. On their Twitch streams, opening up their boxes and stuff like that, and he gave us a hand yesterday. That video will be coming up here pretty soon. Putting the intern to work. He's got to he's got to put together a commercial here for our friends over there at Zephyr Epic, the good folks over there. Fantastic job by intern Emil. He's doing great. Uh, really nice addition to the Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation team. Okay, uh, let's move on here, Chris. Few things to get to. Recording this on Thursday, we are going to be joined by. Uh, Ryan Pike. Yeah, before uh, that. Flames Nation. Let me get this in. I bought this can in the States because I knew exactly what it was going to do. This is a green can. A green can completely. And I knew it was going to screw with the green screen. So I had to buy it just for that reason. Green apple uh, energy drink from the States. Lots of energy today. But Ryan Pike. Hey, Ryan Pike covers the AHL, covers their local team just as good as we do here in Vancouver. Pike does an excellent job covering the Wranglers and he'll uh, he'll join us at about 115 hop on the show here and uh, give give his take on the series I don't know how long we're gonna spend with him because you know Pike Pike will go he'll go for four hours if we give him the time and we're not giving him four hours here on the show we got we might have to cut him off at some point but uh, we'll get the Wranglers perspective on this series as they are the heavy favorites going into this one but Abbotsford chippy little game last night Ended up pushing it into overtime, so let's dive right into it. First thing there on the ticker. Abbotsford, they fell 3-2 in overtime facing off against those Calgary Wranglers, that damn good Calgary Wranglers team. Where do you want to start here, Quads? I know you watched it last night, too. I think there's one player that made the biggest difference in yesterday's game. I guess he's not even technically a player. I don't know how they call these uh, 
these goaltenders or whatnot, but Dustin Wolf is is so damn good. He is very good. Are we surprised though? Like previewing this series, you and I even talking about it off air and on air. What did we say? Like we said the biggest X factor in this series is Dustin Wolf. He's the best goaltender in the AHL and he played like it last night. I liked the effort from the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, I don't think you can be upset with how they played. Uh, but, you know, we were chatting after the game and, you know, our pal Cody Sievertson uh, wrote the Farmies last night. And we kind of talked about, you know, where they were struggling and it's that back end, right? Like it just wasn't, it wasn't great. They weren't getting much offense. They weren't getting the, you know, like the puck movement that we saw in Abbotsford, right? Like breaking the puck out of their own zone. I don't know if it was because of the Wranglers forecheck or what it was, but they did have some, tr- have some struggles there. And I think we wanted to see some more from them when it came to the offensive side of the game. I like, look, I, I thought the team played well. We were talking about how, okay, it can't just be one line. I don't know your take, like Aturatu scores, and I'm going to talk about that a little more, but Aturatu scores, I thought all the forward lines kind of came to play last night. Like, I, and I don't think that was the case in the Bakersfield series. In Bakersfield, we've talked about it, how it seemed like it was just the Huglander line, right? And I don't think that was the case last night. I think everybody came to play. I just think, you know, if you have to pinpoint a weak spot for this team last night, it was probably the defensive side of the game and not defending per se, just the defenseman breaking the puck out and not getting hemmed in their own end. I thought that was where they kind of struggled last night. Yeah, how many times did we see a Abbotsford Canucks defenseman try and break out the puck throughout from inside of their own blue line and hit a skate at the blue line, hit a skate in their own zone? It, it felt like it happened on almost every breakout. Like, there was a rare, clean breakout for the Abbotsford Canucks, and I don't know if that's... Like, I would have to guess that's more about the Wranglers, right? Because it's not like the Abbotsford Canucks are rusty. If anybody was going to be rusty... It was the Wranglers, and I think you saw that in probably the first 10 minutes of the game as well. Like, it did look like the Wranglers were struggling a little bit to kind of just get their head into a playoff kind of feel of the game. And then a little bit of physicality started, and it really felt like it woke up the Wranglers. But I I really agree with you. I think the biggest problem for the Abbotsford Canucks last night was simply getting out of their own zone, but not just getting the puck out, but being able to maintain possession. And they just weren't able to string together a pass in the really important areas of the ice. I, I didn't think the forwards were that good. I, I didn't think that the top six lines were very good for, for the Abbotsford Canucks. I, you know, uh, you brought it up, Cody, and, and we were in a group chat last night. Did he say Justin Dowling had seven shots? I don't remember any of those being dangerous, right? Like, uh, and there was a lot of outside shots on Dustin Wolf where I'm thinking, like, they're getting shots on net, I understand it, but there's, like, backhanders from from 40 feet out and, and things that just aren't going to beat that type of goaltender. With, with Dustin Wolf. You have to be able to score NHL caliber goals to beat him. You need to be able to score goals that would happen in the NHL. Like, there's a lot of goals that happen in the AHL, and you're like, okay. Like, a goalie in the NHL is going to make that save, or a defenseman's going to clear that puck. With Dustin Wolf, you have to beat him with NHL quality goal scoring chances. And I don't think you saw a lot of that last night from the Abbotsford Canucks. They weren't really able to push the pace that much. And I'm curious to see what happens now because Philip Johansson took warm up. For the Abbotsford Canucks. He wasn't in the lineup last night. This is the right shot defenseman coming over from Sweden. And then Noah Juleson ends up getting hurt. We saw him get crushed on the boards. Looked like something in the, maybe a shoulder or something upper body maybe. Uh, just guessing here. But now the Canucks have an option here if they do, if Juleson is going to miss some games here. Do you want to go with Philip Johansson, the guy who can break the puck out? It's something that he's probably one of his best skills. Or do you want to go back to Brady Keeper, who scored in the game uh, to to end up heading the sweep in the first series against Bakersfield, brings a little bit more physicality. 
I don't know. I think you have a couple different options here. I expect to see a lineup change and probably a goaltending change as well because that's kind of the realm here before game two, uh, which is tomorrow, Friday. Yeah, and we were hoping to talk to Jeremy Colleton. We'll, we'll we'll talk to him soon, I'm sure. But I am really curious about the goaltending here. Chris is, you know, obviously they were going to switch goaltenders, but now Spencer Martin has a loss. If Archer Silovs pitches a shutout, do you go right back to Spencer Martin? And look, we were asking the same question in round one, although Artie hadn't lost a game, so it was a little bit different. But it was Spencer Martin that posted the shutout in the next game. Uh, to clinch against Bakersfield, it was Archer Seelov's in net, and he played well. Uh, I don't think that Spencer Martin was bad last night by any means. I just think he got outdueled by, uh, as Matt, Matt in the chat, YouTube live chat asks, is Dustin Wolf the best goaltender not in the NHL? I think the answer is pretty unequivocally yes, Chris. He is, and he played like it last night. And look, the Canucks don't have the advantage in the goaltending department in this series. That's not a hot take. Uh, that's not a knock against Archer Seelovs or Spencer Martin, for that matter. It's just fact. Dustin Wolf is very, very good, and he's the guy that Calgary's going to turn to for every game in this series. There's no platooning over there on that side. So yeah. I'm interested to see kind of how the Canucks manage it, uh, depending on what happens tomorrow night going to be very interesting to see yeah to me it was uh by the way to answer matt's question yes um i think there's an argument for devin levi before he got into the nhl obviously after signing after his season but to start the season yeah the two guys i would have said or that i'd be most excited about about their nhl futures uh would be dustin wolf and uh well probably askarov as well he's been really good in the ahl as well got a real bright future that kid there um seriously he's been excellent you know how many shootout uh, attempts he faced this year Askarov faced 40 of them this year in the shootout. And which is crazy because Dustin Wolf, who played even more, like played more than anybody in the AHL, he only faced three shootout attempts against all season long. And I believe it was against the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, but yeah, I think Archer Silovs has got to be the guy on Friday. And I really think this is the first moment in time during this playoff run. And you hope that it is a playoff run. Listen, they've won a round. They're into the second run. You hope they can keep going here. And if this is going to become a run, Hey man, the you know the road is paved now for Archer Silovs to be the guy. This is the spot where he needs to go steal a game. And I'll tell you, some of the most exciting games I've seen this season have been an Artie party versus Dustin Wolf over there in Calgary. Those are two extremely good young goaltenders in this league who are going to be NHLers one day. And to get them having this type of matchup at this point in in the AHL playoffs could be a lot of fun. Um, Joe Joe asked. Uh, how far away is Johansson from the NHL? What Abby D-Man could make the Canucks next year? Johansson, you got to see him in the A first, right, to really start to make that assessment. You still haven't seen him play a game yet. He got over here just uh, last Sunday, so got to see him in a playoff game. But I tell you, I, I should be excited to see. This is a guy who was just playing SHL playoff hockey. Gets what the intensity is all about. I know he hasn't been here for a long time. I know some people were asking, why was Alex Canuck Leapert in the lineup last night instead of Brady Keeper? I really think that was like an emotional decision, right? Like, Alex Canuck-Leapert has had really good physical games against the Wranglers this season. He's also one of the guys that everybody in that room just loves, right? And they want him to succeed. They want him to be a guy sticking up for you. And he was. Like, you could see after the whistles, you know, 41 was all over the play, uh, whoever they were going after. And it felt like the Wranglers did kind of, they pushed around the Canucks a little bit after the whistle. They got away with a lot more punches um, than Abbotsford threw after the whistle. And that's something that I asked Jeremy Carlton about when they wrapped up their series against Baker, Bakersfield. And he's like, no, like, we were happy with it. They might need to change that a little bit. You got to punch back a little bit here, I think, in this series because you can't just consistently be getting slashed in the leg after the whistle, punched in the face after the whistle, and not do something to push back. 
Like, I know that you sometimes maybe you're going to take a penalty and it's going to end up being four and four because, you know, coincidental minors in a situation like that, but you can't be getting pushed around. It's just something you can't have in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you talked about it with Colton. You talked about it with Brady Keeper. Uh, it's something to keep an eye on that, you know, I'm not saying the team doesn't have pushback, but, you know, you're seeing them not get pushed around per se, mm. but you know, like you just said, getting punched with their gloves on. Um, so we'll see kind of how this progresses. And look, it's going to be an interesting series, man. And you just brought it up. Like, you know, picking up just one win in Abbotsford or for Abbotsford, excuse me, on the road. Like if they pick up one win against Calgary here, that is massive for their chances in this series. Because let's not forget, folks, Calgary chose to host the first two games Abbotsford is going to host the final three of this best of five series. They are guaranteed one home game. And that was all I was thinking last night as I was watching this game, Chris, was if they get one, like even if they get one and get blown out tomorrow, whatever happens, right? If they just get one win, that totally changes the tide of this series, right? And that's something that you kind of were watching for was just like, are they going to do this? Are they going to pull out, pull a rabbit out of the hat? Because I don't know about you, but I'm almost expecting them to lose both games on, you know, like that's the top team in the AHL. Losing both games, I don't think there's any uh, shame in that. But then you're also really intrigued by the prospect of them then hosting the next three, right? And having a chance to really storm back in the series and play a game five, right? I'm, I, I was watching it and saying, wow, okay, like they might be able to do it. And they might, they might still do it on Friday. And that was a very, very close game. Like it, it got settled in overtime, right? You can't get any closer than that. I'm very intrigued to see if Abbotsford can pull out a win here because if they do, look, that to me, that just spells out that they're going to win this series. If they just get one win, I think it's very, very good. Uh, very good news for them. Yeah, I think what you're going to need is. Okay, what's going on here? Uh, we need uh, you need three we got goals. Pike on. <laughs> Pike's already on there. Uh, you're going to need to get three goals past Dustin Wolf. And hey, listen, Dustin Wolf doesn't do that that often. The guy's more consistently getting shutouts. It feels like uh, than what he does when he allows three or more goals at least against him. So that's going to be what's going, Alex? What's going on here? Who's it? Who's this? Who is this? Got somebody cracking drinks over here. Pike's, Pike's celebrating last night. He's already on here. We'll get to him in just a minute. Um, all right. I, I want to have. Why, why are we waiting? Yeah, okay. My, why are we waiting? Pike's we got here. Pike on. I think he's I, on. I have a feeling these sounds we're hearing is Pike getting through to us already. And what did I say uh, before? Ryan, is that Hold you? On. Before I get to Pike here in just I, a second. I think, that, yeah. I think that's me. Yeah, before we get to Pike, I got to say I love it. I'm assuming he's cracking an energy drink. He covers the AHL similar to like I do here in Abbotsford. Um, so we're jacked up to get Ryan on with us. Um Pike, let's start right off the top. I just I want to get this out there. Do you think the Wranglers pushed around the Abbotsford Canucks a little bit last night? Because it felt like there was a lot of things after the whistle that, listen, the Wranglers just looked like the veteran team. They knew what they could do and not get a penalty last night. And I think that affected kind of the way the game played out. As, as It felt like it took the Wranglers that 10 minutes to you know take some punches, throw some punches. Then they were locked in for the last 50 minutes of that game. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I, I, think, the, I think the Wranglers have, have a, a core group of sort of, I would say, the young skill guys uh, who are the guys that move the needle for them offensively. And then they also have a group of guys that they brought in over the last year or two who are their, their foot soldiers, for lack of a better term. I mean, you know, they have, you know, they were third, I believe, in the Amer- entire American Hockey League in fighting majors this year. Uh, they're a team that if, you know, they, they, they have the ability to force teams to play whatever type of game they feel most comfortable in. And, you know, that was the type of game where the, the Wranglers coming off an 11-day break, uh, you know, head coach Mitch Love was not particularly enamored with how they played, nor was most of the team. But, you know, they they managed to to muck it up and grind it out. And it was the kind of game they, they needed to play and to try to win, A, coming off an 11-day break, and B, missing uh, their leading scorer after the first 10 minutes of the game. All right, we uh, we're All right. having a little bit of struggles here. Uh, yeah, I, got yeah, this. Yeah. I can hear Pike. Pike, this is gonna that first answer will show up in the podcast. Uh, but Alex is still running the send show, so I don't think he's got your uh, your audio up yet. So we'll let Alex know when we get uh, that all set up. Quads, you can let him know in the chat here. Uh, interesting, yeah. I mean, you look at some of these players on this Wranglers team. A lot more playoff experience, obviously. That's something that kind of sticks off immediately, but. There was a moment yesterday in the game early on, Matthew Phillips, and Quads, I'll get your perspective on this before we get to Pike, once we get the audio all figured out here, uh, on YouTube, and uh, we will, I see the chat's going nuts, they're just wondering what the heck that silence was, uh, Matthew Phillips, a shot to the groin on uh, on Jet Wu, and listen, that was a, a sensitive area where that stick went last night, tough one, he gets thrown out of the game, looked like Wu came back pretty pretty quick. I don't think he missed a shift after that. Take a shot in that area, though. You are going to be feeling it, that's for sure. Uh, Matthew Phillips is a leading scorer on the Wranglers. 76 points this season in just 66 games. 36 of those 76 points being goals. Quads, did you think uh, there might be any more uh, minutes missed, games missed, anything uh, for Matthew Phillips here moving forward? I don't think so. I I, I don't think so. I, it, what was really funny about that, Chris, was every time Jet Wu touched the puck, it wasn't woos from the crowd. It was boos. They were booing <laughs> Jet Wu. Uh, I don't know if they thought he embellished. And there was another thing. I, I believe it was Cody that clipped it. might have been you, so my apologies if it was you. But there's a clip out there. When it happened, Wu was down, doubled over. We've all been there. We know what that feels like. Mm. You're doubled over. And Philip skates up to him and says something. And Spencer Mark comes over and pushes Phillips away. So... One, I want to know what the hell he said. I wish we had Jet Wu on a day later than we actually did, because uh, if you haven't heard it already, folks, really good conversation uh, with Jet Wu on Monday uh, on Canucks Conversation. But yeah, he gets speared in the groin. I don't know how intentional it was by Phillips, but that, that is still a stick to the groin. That is not a good feeling if you're Jet Wu, and to get booed for it every time you touch the puck for the rest of the night, I was I was stunned. I was stunned, and look, I don't... I, I, like I said, I wish we had Jet Wu on today. That would have been uh, an interesting thing to get his instant perspective on. But uh, yeah, tough, yeah, tough look for Phillips there. No, for I sure. mean, yeah, but I don't I think, think any supplemental discipline or anything. No, his octave would have been like two levels higher for sure after taking that shot yesterday. But I think we got Pike now. Hopefully, everybody gets the audio for this on YouTube. Um, anything? Do you think anything will come of this? It felt like you know getting thrown out. There he is. There's Ryan Pike, our buddy. Uh, Getting thrown out that early into the game, not even 10 minutes in, I, I feel like that's that's like a, a half suspension in its own right, and that's the leading score here on your Wranglers. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the supplemental discipline in the AHL, as much as the NHL, is based on, you know, reputation and game situation. And, you know, was it a dumb penalty to take at that time of the game? Yeah. Uh, Mitch Love uh, was very, re- very uh, restrained in his commenting. Uh, he said, you know, he didn't want to get in any trouble, so he didn't really want to criticize the officials. And that basically tells you what he thought of the penalty. Uh, but you know the, the the Wranglers have been a very good special teams team, and they become a much less uh, potent offensive team when you take away a guy as dynamic at the AHL level as Matthew Phillips. But you know they they managed to you know if you look at some of the guys that did score, I mean obviously Jacob Pelche returning after being in the in the National Hockey League for a while, you know he's a difference maker. He was you know before he went up top ten in league scoring, but. Adam Klapka might be the the best Flames prospect that no one's really talking about. In his last home game at the Saddleome in the regular season, he got a hat trick, uh, and you know he's he's been playing very well. And you know, did do you want to spend your game with 11, 11 forwards? They were also missing Nick DeSimone uh, for a decent chunk of uh, the game due to uh, what we think is some sort of an upper body injury. He finished the game, but he definitely wasn't feeling great. Uh, so. You know, it's that's playoff hockey. I mean, Noah Juleson didn't finish the game either. So, I mean, this is this feels like the kind of series that even though it might not be a full five game series, uh, they're going to need some time to recover after this because of the way these, these two teams play each other. I think we, we touched on it right off the top. I think it's the obvious biggest difference maker in this series. His name's Dustin Wolf. Probably the best goaltender outside of the of the NHL, even to start the season. We made a little bit of an argument on Devin Levi. You know, those two kind of in the same realm for us as we watch guys coming into the NHL next season, pretty much. Uh, but Dustin Wolf, like, how reliant is this team on on what he does between the between the pipes? Because that game that we saw at the Abbotsford Center to close out the regular season, you watch them play with Wolf and Net, then you watch them play without Wolf when he was up in the NHL playing with Calgary, and you're like, man. This is a very different looking team. How reliant are the Wranglers on Dustin Wolf's strong play? Oh, when when you have a Dustin Wolf back there, it can cover up a lot. Case in point, you know, just look at the I'd say the first ten minutes of that that game in Game One. The Wranglers looked like they were a bit stuck in the mud. Their transition game was, in a word, bad. Uh, they had a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of odd man rushes. Uh, you know, a lot of very good. Abbotsford Canuck players got basically free shots on net. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, especially in that five-minute power play, I mean, the penalty kill was pretty good, but they had to rely on Dustin Wolf making a lot of big saves. I mean, you know, he he was the great stabilizer when they really didn't have their game going at all. And then once they got going, I mean, they never trailed in game one. And a large proportion of that credit should go to the goaltender because, you know, if, if you have – Anybody else in there? I'm not even talking about a league average goalie. I'm not even talking about someone like Oscar Danska's backup. I'm just talking about anyone else. The second best goalie in the AHL is probably, you know, has a few pucks behind him at the end of the first period, something based on volume and shot quality. But Dustin Wolf managed to pitch a goose egg in the first 20. And I think that was the main reason they were able to come away with a, with a victory. Okay, so outside of the crease... What's the engine? What's this team's engine for the Calgary Wranglers? Like, what what do we have to look for in this series? Well, I think quietly, I think the engine of the team has been uh, Ben Jones. They, they got Ben Jones off of free agency. You know, he was previously with the the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Uh, you know, became a free agent. 
the Flames signed him, and he's, you know, he's a very good AHL center. He touches every aspect of the game. Uh, if you look at the Adam Klapka goal that uh, made it 2-1, uh, it comes off of, uh, you know, a couple nice plays. Brett, Brett Sutter's also a guy who's really quietly an engine for the team. He's the team's captain, uh, coincidentally the son of uh, Flames head coach Daryl Sutter. Uh, but he's he's just a – he's a pro's pro. Uh, he wanted to come to Calgary to, you know, play closer to home. And he's been – you know, one of the more consistent players, he brings energy. He brings, you know, he's one of those guys that isn't afraid to, uh, you know, give somebody a cross check uh, in a, after a scrum or anything like that. I mean, he's got some snarl to him, but you know, they, they have a lot of those sort of guys, uh, you know, they're entry level guys, the flames prospects between 20 and 23. They're all kind of smallish and skill based. And I think, you know, between Ben Jones, between, you know, Mitch McLean, who came in uh, after being with the Milwaukee Admirals over the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, they brought in, you know, from the from the Ontario Rain organization, Brett Sutter. They brought in a lot of guys that sort of add a bit more beef and add a bit more snarl and give those guys, uh, the smaller guys, a bit of a chance to to play it. I don't think that, you know, guys like Pelche or or Jeremy Poirier or uh, Emilio Peterson or uh, Matthew Phillips have the seasons they had this season offensively without those bigger veteran guys sort of, you know, playing traffic cop, for lack of a better term. I think watching this Wranglers team, you can feel a confidence, right? When they're – you could feel it kick in, like you mentioned, after that first 10 minutes, after Wolf kind of got them involved in the game. I'm curious what your confidence is from watching this team all season long – I mean, they finished with nearly 20 more points than the Abbotsford Canucks. They have, you know, the Wranglers with their 51-17-4 and four record on the year uh, against the against the Abbotsford Canucks. They end up winning eight times out of the 12 games that they faced them. I guess you could call it nine out of 13 now at the playoff game. What's your confidence level that the Wranglers roll through the Abbotsford Canucks here? Because they're coming off a bye. This is their first round playoffs. Is this something where the Wranglers, do you feel they could roll through Abbotsford here? I think so. I think Abbotsford probably gets a game at some point. Maybe, you know, I'm thinking the first game in Abbotsford might be a game that uh, that the Canucks are able to get because I think, you know, the Abbotsford's been much more comfortable, I think, at home than they've been on the road, uh, especially with the way the Wranglers are playing. But, you know, I, I think the best thing possible for the Wranglers was that three-game series against the, the Canucks mm-hmm. to the, close out the regular season because – a, I think they have a familiarity with each other, and B, I mean, you know, the the Flames took away three pretty important pieces from uh, the the from the 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 Wranglers in Walker Door, Jacob Pelche, and Dustin Wolf for that three game series. Uh, you know, Walker Door didn't even play in in that series at all. He you know he made his return to the lineup in Game One after you know basically being in the NHL since January. Uh, so I think the Wranglers look at that look at that three-game series and go, oh, damn, we should have taken all three. And, you know, the, the Wranglers feel like they have something to prove. They, I think they felt they were better uh, than, you know, a year ago the Stockton Heat went to the, the conference final, lost the eventual Calder Cup champions, the Chicago Wolves. And I think, you know, the Wranglers feel like they let one get away. I think they felt like they were right there with Chicago and just found ways to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're motivated by that as much as they're motivated by that bad last weekend they felt they had against the Canucks. And I think, you know, they they look at that first game. One of the most common things we've heard from Mitch Love after wins at the Saddle Dome is, I don't think we played very well. And, you know, he's he's a two-time coach of the year for a reason because I don't think he's very satisfied. But I think his level of attention to detail and his level of dissatisfaction with 
you know, efforts or results that they feel are subpar, I think it permeates to that room because, you know, we talked to any number of players after game one who thought, well, they, they think, I think the, the consensus was they felt they got away with, uh, away with one on game one. Like they, they were rusty. They were incomplete. They were playing a man down for 90% of the game and they managed to eke one out. I also think that game two, we're going to see a lot more composed, energetic and uh, structured Calgary Wranglers team, but we're also really going to see a more desperate uh, Abbotsford Canucks team down one nothing. So uh, I think a lot of people are already looking forward to game two. Yeah, I know we definitely are. And for the other way of looking at this, obviously a lot of a lot of people listening to this, Abbotsford fans, they want to see a win. So what would it take for the Abbotsford Canucks to win this series? What would it be? What would be a letdown for the Wranglers? What is the thing? Like I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be Wolf that lets this team down. I don't know if it's going to be some of the veteran guys. What is the thing that? I, I want to say, like, has let them down all, like at some point in the season, but, like, was there even a stretch this year where the Wranglers were, like, let down by something because they were the best team in the AHL in the regular season? I'd say that the Achilles heel for the Wranglers, we saw it in the first period uh, against uh, Abbotsford. And their transition game at times is kind of clunky. Uh, I think they struggled at times uh, dealing with the forecheck of the Canucks in terms of, you know, by the time they were trying to get a puck out, they had, you know, a guy in a white sweater right on them. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing with the big club where, you know, if you get a little bit disconnected in your five-man units and you try to make uh, you know, a bit longer pass and get a little bit lazy with your transition game, that's when things start spiraling on them. And that's, that's what happened. You know, it's good when you have a Dustin Wolf to cover you up uh, when you make mistakes like that, but you can only make so many of those. You can only put, you know, for lack of a better term to be crass, you can only deliver so many pizzas until eventually someone's going to cash in. And so the, the, the Wranglers were delivery men in a lot of times in the first period and Dustin Wolf bailed them out, but can they rely on Dustin Wolf to bail them out that many times when they do that kind of sloppy defensive play? From covering the Wranglers here for this series, Pike, who worries you most on the Abbotsford roster? That's a good question. I uh, I like Klimovich. I I think he's he's got a nice little bit of energy to him. I I think the the thing I really like about the the Canucks roster is that you know there's so much depth. I mean, you can flip a coin and you're going to get a good goaltending performance, and both of the goaltenders have a little bit of a stylistic difference. So if you're trying to pregame, you know, if you're doing video for these two guys, they're different enough that I think that you have to change your tactics depending on what's going on with the, the goaltender. And that's a wrinkle that a lot of teams can't throw at you. Mm. Uh, I really like the the depth on defense. I mean, you know, when uh, when you're, you have Jack Rathbone on your third pair, that means you have four guys ahead of him that you're pretty happy with. And, you know, even, even if you look at the, 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 you know, the, the group they have at forward, I mean, you know, you have the ability to roll 12 guys. I mean, I think that you can make a case that the Wranglers have more high end scoring depth than the, the Canucks do. But I think, you know, lines, you know, one through four with the Canucks, there's not that much of a drop off. And I think when the Canucks are playing the way they want to play, they can just wear you down and just come at you with pace and just frustrate you until you start making silly mistakes. And they did that a lot in the first period. If they can do that for 60 minutes, I think uh, I probably like the chances if I'm them. But 
again, the tough thing to do against the Wranglers is impose yourself because they have a team that has that high end depth that can just, you know, when you think you have your lines all rolling, you have some momentum, they have some guys that can just be difference makers, whether it's, you know, a big guy like Klapka who can, you know, move the way he does somehow at six foot eight and, and score those kind of goals, or they have guys who are willing to just absolutely crush you with a body check uh, to disrupt. So I think, if if the if the Canucks can just play at five on five and roll, I think they they like their chances. But I think the more the Canucks can, can have their game and their momentum disrupted by the the Wranglers, the, the more it plays in the Wranglers' hands. Yeah, most definitely. I, that's basically what it felt like all season long. All the games, it felt like that, uh, and we've seen them now thirteen times against each other. Uh, Pike, one more question here. I got to get this from you. Do you know what the mascot's name is? For for this, uh, what's up going out there in the ring? Does he have a name, he or she? The Wranglers mascot is Blasty. Blasty. So this Blasty the Bronco. This is the scariest. That graphic. is not Blasty. Okay, that this, is that is their weird anthropomorphic uh, CGI horse. I I go to sleep and hope that this doesn't come in my dreams at some point because it is the scariest thing on the AHL broadcast. I don't know. So this is yeah. I was gonna say this doesn't look like the mascot. I was getting people sending me photos. Of the mascot, I said, well, who, who is this thing? This thing scares the living hell out of me. I don't think this thing has a name except Nightmare Fuel. Oh, God. I agree with you. It's 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 an acquired taste, to be sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't want any part of this taste. But, uh, um, all right. Okay. Mike. What? Okay, go ahead, Quant. Hey, I got something. Do the Flames, like the Calgary Flames, have a mascot, Pike? Or is it Blasty at both levels? The Calgary Flames has the NHL's first mascot, Harvey the Hound. Mm. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. We remember right, he, Craig McTavish tore his tongue out that time. <laughs> yes. I. Okay. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. I, I'm now remembering the mascot. I, I can picture him now. Okay. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> well, no, that's it. We'll wrap it up on that uh, tremendous piece of podcasting. Good job, quads, for getting... Harvey the Hound. <laughs> Anyways, Pike, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, for anybody who wants to follow you, uh, Ryan and Pike on Twitter, I believe, right? That's what we're looking at. Uh, if you want to get a Wrangler's perspective. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be on the ground. You'll yeah, be we, at we the have a whole cast. Of, we have a whole cast of characters covering uh, the Wranglers <laughs> as far as they go in the playoffs. So well, uh, if you follow me on socials, I'll make sure that uh, you get the good stuff in your feed from our, our strong people on the ground here. Awesome. And you guys are in the arena for these, right? Because like, uh, what I was saying is I think Nation Network is going to have a guy – out there in Calgary, Quads and I will be out here in Abbotsford. Quads will probably make it to one of them. He, we'll see. Uh, but we'll have a guy on the ground, which is awesome for the company. It's great to see that. And, uh, Pike, appreciate you joining us here today, man, to give us a, a little bit of a Calgary perspective. Thanks for having me, guys. You betcha. There he is, Ryan Pike, Flames Nation. They got good good coverage of the AHL team over there uh, at Flames Nation. I'll give them that. Better than the Oily Boys. I don't see anything from these Oily Boys about Bakersfield. I guess that's – and I saw a comment earlier. Uh, I missed it here. Jeffrey said it. Wish we were saying this about the big club. I guess that's why we don't see a lot of uh, AHL coverage on Oilers Nation and those Oily Boys over there because they're in the NHL playoffs. But, hey, we want to have our fun too, okay? So, yeah, it's AHL playoffs, but we're having some fun with it. It's fun. Uh, All right, where do you want to go from here? Prospects report or anything else you want to touch on from the game? I did want to bring up a couple things. We showed the Phillips on Woo uh, nut check already. Let's get uh, the Atu Ratu goal from last night, the game-tying goal. Matthew Ratu, a wicked snipe, and I know a lot of people mention this on Twitter. 
And you'll see this video if you're watching it on YouTube. With Atiratu, he almost got leveled at the end of this goal here. Uh, so we'll run this here on YouTube, but he ends up scoring with under five minutes to go. Calgary's leading two to one. Uh, Ratu ends up coming down the ice. A good little play from Baines that it didn't get really talked about a lot just to maintain the puck there and push the body. Then Atiratu absolutely rips a wrist shot off the post and in. But you can see, as we're watching the replay here, he's about a, a third of a second away from having his head taken off. But he beats Dustin Wolf clean with the wrist shot, and that's going to be the important thing. If they can do this three times a game, they will win this. Uh, they will win some games in this series. But you can see on the replay, he's about a third of a second. You could see it there at the last minute. He almost got knocked into next week, uh, but ends up getting the goal to tie the game with five, with 450 remaining. I like that little play from Ratu. I didn't think that line was great, but I did. Like I had a feeling last night when they got on the ice for this shift, I had a feeling they were going to score. And these are the things that I, you know, if you and I were at this game, I would have told you sitting next to me in the pro- I would have bet you another lunch that I bet they'd score on this shift, and they did. So good for them. The young guys getting one going. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with jo- with uh, Noah Juleson. Don't know his uh, status right now for the injury. Hey, give me Philip Johansson. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the guy get an opportunity. Maybe he plays with Jack Rathbone on that third pairing and you're battling up against bottom six lines and bottom pairings in the AHL. Now you're talking, man. That that line could cook. That pairing together, a lot of offense potential there. So uh, that's all I really have from the Abbotsford game. Anything else? Oh, I did want one last thing. I thought Abbotsford's best line was John Stevens, Chase Waters, and Mark Gatcombe. I thought they were the best line last night. They played... They played playoff hockey like you want it to be played. They were physical on four checks. They held the puck in the offensive zone on most of their shifts. Score a goal as well. Gatcombe got the first goal for Abbotsford. I, I thought that trio did an excellent job of playing in a playoff situation. I didn't think the rest of the other three forward lines stepped up into a playoff type of way that you have to play. I didn't think they did that. And you're obviously talking about finishing checks, all that sort of stuff. And that's something that line did, but they also scored. Like we also saw a goal from that line. So look, you step up in some areas and sometimes good things are going to happen. Often do when you're playing the right way in the playoffs. And look, we just wrote a bunch of cliches in the last minute and a half, but you're right. I really, really liked that line. I don't know if I'd say it was their best line, Chris, but I, it was, it was a good line and it was one that was very, very quiet in games against Bakersfield, right? Yeah, so to see them step up, you you kind of want everybody to elevate because those guys didn't in the first round. They didn't do that. Like they, they weren't real. They were maybe throwing the body around, just not as much, I don't think. Yeah. Personally. I, like they weren't as noticeable. I thought they were bad. I thought that line was bad in the games against Bakersfield, but I thought they were the best line on the ice last night. Let's get, uh, we'll transition now to the prospects report because I know there's some things you even want to talk about. Uh, in the prospects report, but Jesse is asking any updates on our three prospects. We're about to lose the rights to Arvid Kosmar, Connor Lockhart and Matthew Thiessen. Uh, for what I hear, Arvid Kosmar, he's not going to get a deal. They'll lose his rights uh, in a, whatever, two months here. I don't think he's going to get a deal. Uh, Matthew Thiessen, I don't think is going to get a deal either. I'm curious to see what happens with Connor Lockhart. Like he's had an okay season. Not probably at the, like remember when we started and, and he was like leading the league in points. And we were getting, okay, like that's pretty exciting. Listen, he's a small guy. He's going to have to do that to get an NHL contract. Ends up finishing in like the top 30 for scoring in the OHL. I just don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that's enough to get you an NHL contract. I'm curious to see what happens with him as he graduates out of the OHL. Might be a guy who gets like an, an AHL contract. And, and hey, why not give this guy a shot? Small body, but he, he's got a lot of skill and a lot of speed. I don't think any of those three are going to get NHL deals at the end of this season, though. Uh, with that being said, we have some stuff. No, I don't. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, I mean, I wanted to quickly just touch on Thiessen, if that's okay, because mm-hmm. you just saw the Canucks add Nikita Tolopilo to their organization, and look, like, that's a that's a contract they they signed. That's a prospect they're a lot more excited about than Matthew Thiessen, and I'll tell you that for free, right? Like, you're adding a prospect that did go undrafted in Tolopilo, but he led the Alsvenskin in save percentage, and they are very, very excited about this prospect and I think they have reason to be but I don't think I don't think you're going to see Matthew Thiessen uh get a contract no I don't think any of those guys will um let's get to the prospects report we'll start off here with Jonathan LeCare Mackey um hopefully Alex has this I sent him it's the link we're just going off of a link uh, from Cam Robinson on Twitter otherwise I'll pull it up here uh in a second but he scored a goal the game winning goal to force game six in the Alsvenskan finals wicked wrist shot from Jonathan LeCaramacchi. We've seen him do this in the past. Haven't seen a lot of it this year, but he really just faced, you know, stared down the goaltender and absolutely beat him uh, off the top corner here over the blocker. Great shot from LeCaramacchi. He's been excellent. Let's get the stats up now for Jonathan LeCaramacchi throughout these playoffs here. It's been fun to kind of update this graphic as we've been going along here. Now up to, I believe, 13 games played for Jonathan. Look at this. Look how beautiful that is. Any spelling mistakes? Don't double-check it. Uh, He's got 13 games played, 14 points in those 13 games, five goals, nine assists, and a plus five throughout these playoffs. Been excellent, but they're trailing 3-2 in their series right now. Still an uphill battle. That uh, that Moto team is very good, and they really want to get back to the SHL. These are two teams where, listen, Moto's been down for a couple years now. They've uh, It's been a real bad time for Moto, which has been a powerhouse in the SHL, or even before the SHL, the, uh, the Swedish Elite League, the SEL. Uh, they were a dominant team for a long time. Heck, there's a lot of Vancouver connections there with uh, with the Sedins and, and other Swedish players as well. But they want to get back to the SHL. They're one win away. We'll see if they can force a game seven. LeCaire Mackey's next game is Friday. So tomorrow morning we'll know. And then we could have a big game on Sunday. We'll uh, we'll have a lot to, to report on that if we do get a game seven to wrap up the Elsvenskan finals. Any takeaways from you uh, on LeCaire Mackey? It's more of a wide encompassing take ties into Abbotsford ties into prospects. So if you have more prospects to talk about, go ahead and do that. Cause I'll, I'll kind of close it out. Cause I have a big encompassing take that I sure. want to talk about. Here. Yeah. I got three more prospects to mention who are still playing in playoff hockey, Damon Gardner uh, and his tri-city storm. They swept the Sioux city musketeers. How about that for uh, you get a t-shirt of a team. Sioux city musketeers would be a great one. Uh, so they, the tri-city storm, they swept them in the first round. Uh, in, of the Clark Cup playoffs, which is the USHL. They're now moving on to face the Fargo Force, who are one of the better teams in that league. Uh, we'll have to see what Gardner can do. He's a guy who towards MCL early on this season, came back from injury, and ended up being close to a point per game uh, as he finished up here. Let's get uh, this graphic up here of Bloom and Lockhart, because Josh Bloom and Connor Lockhart, two Vancouver Canucks prospects, they are going to face off against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals of the OHL playoffs. That gets going in the next couple of days here. Uh, neither has been excellent throughout the playoffs. Like, they, they scored at a higher rate kind of through the regular season. But Bloom, you like that plus five. He's been good at five on five. Also a, a big piece for, for the North Bay Battalion's penalty kill. That's something we've talked about ever since the Canucks acquired him. Uh, just a, a good heart and soul guy. He's a, a great, great veteran for an OHL team right now. And we'll have to see what happens with both these players. I do think that there's more of a chance that Bloom gets a contract after this year than there is with Lockhart. But hey, Lockhart scoring goals. If he has a, a tear here to finish us up and then maybe goes to the Mem Cup, like that—that that is what is going to be 
the the thing that earns him an NHL deal if he gets it. So there's still time for Lockhart to improve his stock, and this is the most important time of the year. I just think he's at a point right now where he probably isn't going to get an NHL contract, but he might. And hey, he can he could make it happen from really strong play to finish up his playoff run here, and his team probably needs that as well. So both really good teams, seven-game series here. It's going to be a lot of fun as they uh, see who's going to represent the East in the OHL, and it will be a, uh, a Vancouver Canucks prospect in the finals of the OHL uh, playoffs. So that's exciting. That means could have a guy in the Mem Cup very easily. So uh, good good thing there for, for Canucks prospects and a couple of guys that we like to follow uh, in their OHL play right now. Like this is now time of the year where there's not a lot of prospects. There's no Vancouver Canucks games. Man, I, I, I love being able to have time to watch these games. Like I watched... Uh, I watched, uh, who was it, uh, Bloom's team play game seven. They were playing against Barry. Got to watch Brant Clark the other day. He was playing, and he was damn good. But Bloom was uh, was impressive. He sticks out at this level. So we'll have to see. This is going to be a fun one to watch and, you know, getting a chance to watch. I love when two prospects play each other, it, especially when you're watching it live to cover these prospects. It's so great to watch them both uh, play against each other. It just makes it a little bit more exciting. And then, you know, they're on the ice together. Just a lot of fun. So to, to do that in the Eastern Conference Finals of the OHL playoffs, Pretty good stuff here. We'll see. But neither has really been excellent through the playoffs. They've just both been, you know, mediocre. Probably Bloom's been a little bit below average from what he did throughout the season, to be honest. Okay, so the take that I have, Chris, that I wanted to give you kind of ties into what we're just talking about, and it's the Canucks prospect pool. I want to talk about it a little bit. Ties into Abbotsford because Atu Ratu is kind of the one that made me think about this, but also you had the performance from Jonathan LeCaramacki throughout the Alsvenskin playoffs and obviously yesterday, as you have just mentioned. With Atu Ratu, he scores the goal last night. We already showed it. It was a nice looking goal, but for the whole game and for the series against Bakersfield, you notice that Atu Ratu isn't the best skater and that is the knock on him and ultimately what will, if he doesn't make the NHL, that's what's going to keep him out, right? Like he's, he's got the hockey IQ, uh, you know, he's got the defensive play, he's got all of that down, he just doesn't really have the skating yet, he doesn't have NHL caliber skating. Hopefully that's something that he's able to work on. But you saw a flash of it last night where, you know, cuts into the middle and lets go of a very, very nice shot, beats Dustin Wolf high blocker side. Very nice goal for Atu Ratu to score. The reason that I want to talk about this, Chris, is because we've heard a few people this year, and look, we like when people are into, into Canucks prospects and everything, but there's this takeout there that, oh, there's nothing wrong with the Canucks prospect pool because look how successful Abbotsford is. Look at all this stuff that's going right for, uh, I don't know, uh, Arshdeep Baines or whoever, right? And this is not a knock on any of these players. Okay. My point is actually a very positive one that... You're seeing Atu Ratu and you're seeing Jonathan LeCaramaki, who LeCaramaki had a very, very disappointing season. It's well chronicled. We've talked about it a lot. You're seeing them take that step. You're seeing them play like high-end prospects. And if you look at the Canucks prospect pool, there's probably the potential to have two real difference makers at the NHL level. Guys in the prospect pool that have the potential to be real difference makers, not you know, like a bottom six forward is great to mine, uh, you know, a bottom pairing defenseman. Awesome. But real difference maker potential to be, you know, uh, in the case of Ratu, a middle six center, right? In the case of Lukaramaki, a top six winger, right? Like those guys have real potential to do that. And you want to see them meet their potential. With Lukaramaki, we're seeing it in the playoffs. Very good news for Canucks fans. With 
Ratu, we're starting to see it and we're starting to see him kind of take that next step. And you want to see him work on the skating. That's going to be a big offseason thing for him as well. It's going to be the thing that he's criticized the most for. He's going to be the thing that everybody is watching closely next season and beyond in his pro hockey career. With the other guys that we're seeing, your Arshdeep Baines, your Jet Woos, everybody, they're fantastic stories and it's awesome. It's an organizational win through and through that they're able to develop these guys and they absolutely, you're seeing them with Jeremy Colleton, especially take a step. You're seeing Danilo Klimovich take a huge step and Klimovich might even be able to be in that conversation with the Karamaki and Ratu, right? Like with what I was just talking about when it comes to actual NHL potential, you might even put Klimovich in there. It's relevant to the point, but sure, let's put Klimovich in there just so we don't get people angry with us when they hear this take. The point is that when you're seeing these guys succeed, it means a lot more than seeing the Jet Woos, the Arshdeep Baines succeed. Because look, that's fantastic, but those guys are going to be depth for the NHL club, right? And I think that's what a lot of people are looking at and saying, okay, well, you know, why why does Abbotsford even matter? Because you're building a strong culture down there. Like you're building a strong culture. You're building out your own depth. You're not going to find it on free agency or wherever. You're you're building it. And these guys are coming up in your organization. That's a very, very good thing. This is a positive take all around. I'm just saying that it means a lot more when you're seeing Ratu, Klimovich, um, and Lakaramaki really take that step, right? When you're seeing those guys, you know, be very successful means a lot more like it means a lot more to the Canucks long term if these guys can hit that's who they really need to hit they're seeing woo they're seeing Baines hit but what those guys look like when they hit and I hate to keep using those two names there's a lot of different guys well Lannon whoever whatever those whenever those guys hit it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting a consistent NHL contributor their ceiling right now isn't to be you know for Jet Wu it's not to be a top pairing defenseman it's probably not going to happen for him but to be a legitimate depth piece, this guy was playing wing in the playoffs last year. He was playing on the left wing. There was no spot for him in the Abbotsford defense core. Obviously, he gets swept by Bakersfield. But seeing these guys at the top end of the Canucks prospect pool take this step, it means a lot. It means a lot uh, for this organization. It's a massive win uh, for the development staff as a whole. And hey, I don't think we can say enough good things about the Canucks development staff. Certainly, all the players that we talk to that get to work with them can't say enough good things. So that's my take that I just wanted to get out there is, you know, seeing these guys take a step in the playoffs and for uh, Luke Aramaki, obviously it's in Sweden. Regardless, seeing them take the step in the playoffs, it's a very, very good thing for the Canucks organization. Yeah, and I think it's it's also you have to evaluate prospects differently, right? You look at Arshdeep Baines, right? You brought, let's, let's bring up the two names you talked about a lot, Jet Wu and Arshdeep Baines. Jet Wu was a second-round pick who many defensemen after him have played over 50 games in the NHL. Some have played over 100 games. That player is the one that you want to make the impact. If you get something out of him in the end, okay, hey, maybe you get some NHL games here or there. It's like that's not really a win for the organization in the end, like a second-round pick that doesn't exactly hit. And listen, there's still development times, so maybe he does. But with R.C. Baines in his situation, free prospect, didn't cost you anything to do with a draft pick. Didn't cost you anything to trade for. You get him to hit as a bottom six. That's a bigger win than than Jet Wu hitting and being a third pairing guy, right? Like that to me is free. You didn't have to spend a second round pick. You could use that second round pick for something else. Heck, there was probably a trade on the on the floor there for Jim Benning. I'm surprised he didn't do it. He loves moving second round picks. But I, I think the prospect system has been 
it, it definitely gets a good bump because of Abbotsford, right? And the development staff out there, you mentioned it, like being able to kind of mold the prospects your own way is really good. And it's like, I'd like to see them do it more. Like I, I don't, it's not going to happen next year, but I'd love to see LeCarrie Mackey here. I'd love to see him working with the Sedins next year. Uh, I'd like to see Elias Pedersen over here as soon as possible. And that's something that I asked Patrick Alvin about at the year end media availability. Like, are you, I didn't necessarily say, do you want to rush these guys to Abbotsford, but like, how important is it? to get these guys to Abbotsford and get them the opportunity to work with the organization, work closely with the development staff, everything. Uh, and it wasn't something like he said, they have to be comfortable. And I understand that, but you got to get pushed out of your comfort zone a little bit to really get the best out of yourself, I think. And I think that's something that they can do with this Abbotsford team now. And they're still in the early stages of establishing what this AHL team means for the development of the actual organization. And, and I hope they lean heavy into it. Like I, I've said it a lot on this show over the past little bit, it would be amazing for them to draft David Reinbacker and have him playing in the AHL next year because Reinbacker is going to be in the AHL next year. That's where he's going to play. He doesn't have much more to prove in the in the Swiss League, and he's not going to the SHL or another league. He's going to come play in the A. Like, that would be excellent. That would be awesome for development. And I think that that's something you can look at with certain players, whether it be a A.R. Steve Baines, a David Reinbacker, or a Niels Huglander. Like, he should have obviously been in Abbotsford when he started his North American career. But at the same time, I don't know if he would have came over because these Swedish guys, they don't like the AHL. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, the prospect pool is improving. And it's taking a massive step because of what's happening uh, out there in Abbotsford. I did have some stuff to wrap up with. Uh, with Frank Valley has a new trade target list. Let's hit on this quickly, very quickly before we get out of here. Um, let's get Frank on JT Miller first uh, up here because he had JT Miller coming in at number five. On his trade target list, any anything here, quads? I'm sure. Did you edit this article? You have to put this together. You give Frank these ideas. What happened here? Uh, no, but we picked it up at Canucks Army. It's over there. I think Mike Gould was the one that grabbed it for us. Uh, but yes, obviously, Frank is talking about the Pittsburgh negotiations that happened that obviously fizzled out uh, when the Canucks reportedly asked for two first round picks uh, and a prospect. Has the Canucks ask changed? Uh, we'll see, right? Um, the, the big thing that Frank, at least, and I, I'm not even reading off of this, the big thing that Frank has talked about is there's not a ton of really good difference maker forwards that a lot that teams are going to be looking at on free agency. So for a team that wants to make a splash or a team that wants to really improve their team going into next season, do they make a trade? Do, do they give up some assets so that they can get who, if he was a free agent, GT yeah. is probably the top free agent, right? Like, like if, if he were not signed to that extension and he hit free agency, he's probably the top free agent forward. Is he not? Um, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly probably makes a case. Patty Kane, I guess. But yeah, I mean like consistently the last, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Consistently last couple of years. You probably want uh, you probably want Miller over Tarasenko, right? Like you you take Miller over Tarasenko, you take Miller over. Yeah, I can't see a name that kind of sticks out. No one, nobody's going to pay Taze another ten million dollars. I don't think anyone's going to pay Kane ten million dollars again. You know, they're they're in their mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. I guess JT Miller probably would be the top free agent. And um, hey, if you can get the top free agent at eight million dollars for seven seasons, a lot of teams would look at that. Yeah, so that that's kind of what we're going to keep an eye on, I guess. The, l- fire up the Miller trade talk uh, uh, machine again. And hey, Alvin basically said at the press conference that he's trading Miller, right? No, I'm just kidding. What yeah, he said close. was that he's going to listen. 
Yeah. Well, he, he said he'd listen on every player. He made it very clear that he wasn't saying he was going to trade Miller. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yes, Miller is on there. So is Tyler Myers. And obviously, we've beat that to death. We've talked about that a lot. How, uh, you know, the real dollar value of Myers' deal in the final year does make it movable uh, this summer. So we will have to see uh, kind of what that happens and how the, this progresses, right? Like that's the thing about Frank's trade targets list is it's always changing. Um, he's always having these conversations behind the scenes with GMs, uh, different people behind the scenes. And he kind of puts together this list. Uh, he's been right before, like he, he's been right before, right? And it, it was a shorter one today. The ones leading up to the trade deadline was close to 40 or 50, I believe. And look, Connor Garland was on there. Niels Hoaglander was on there at one point. I wonder, like I, you, you still wonder about those guys, right? Cause the Canucks still have a lot of wingers, Chris. Uh, but right now, obviously it's just Miller, just Myers on the list of 15 players yeah. to kick off the off season trade targets list. Yeah. So be sure to check that out. Daily phase off a couple of questions I wanted to get to here. Uh, Jeremy asked a question and uh, Nirav gave a perfect answer to that in the chat. Uh, so we won't get to that one. Uh, Matt says thoughts on Marco Constantini. Um, he's not like a, this guy doesn't become a Canucks prospect now. He's he's on an ATO. He is a third string emer- He's basically an emergency goaltender. Uh, they had to sign him because Jake Kupski, who you may remember, heard that name maybe a couple times. Who's been part of Abbotsford. His ATO finished, so they had to find a different guy. Kind of rotate there. It's an AHL thing. Uh, I don't have any thoughts on him. He was a good OHL goalie. They're giving him an opportunity here. He's probably happy to get to work with some goaltending coaches. Maybe he gets uh, Ian Clark's phone number out of this situation. Hey, win win win. Uh, I think that's, or no, we'll get the playoff bracket up. We'll wrap with this because uh, Tampa is in Toronto for game five tonight. Toronto could advance. Four o'clock is that puck drop tonight. Rangers in New Jersey to battle the Devils in game five. Their series is tied 2-2. That one gets going at 4-30. And the Jets are in Vegas to face the Knights. The Knights are up 3-1 and they could advance tonight. So it's our, is this, this is our first night with just three games, right? Or did we have that last night? I don't know. No, it was two last night. Well, it was, it was okay. two last night. Well, I'm watching AHL. I can't have time to. I can't be counting all the time. Um, so yeah, any. Jeez, uh, I messed this graphic up. I got some of these are all capitals. Some of these are not capitals. The the last. Uh, get this out of here, Alex. Let's get out of this. Uh, that was a flop. I did this like two minutes before the show. I tried to put that together. I didn't do that well. All right, um, we're back on Monday to chat about. Basically, I don't even think I'm going to change the ticker on the bottom there. We might replace Pike with somebody else. Pike was good. By the way, Alex, how are you doing today? We missed you early on in the show. But your music was playing, Alex. We heard your relaxing music because Alex needs at least an hour of relaxing music before he comes in here and deals with with us hooligans. Uh, But we had Alex's music for the first five minutes, and the chat liked it. We liked it. But, Alex, how are you today? We've been over this. It's not music. It's composition. God damn it. See, I knew I knew I was gonna get freaking ripped on here. Already. All right, well, good to, good to hear you're doing great, Alex. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll do one more pack here, uh, series two before we get out of here. And the chase for Andre because maybe anybody in the chat have an idea? Like we've had the what did we what did we call the other ones? We were chasing all the rookie cards, but we need a we need like a hashtag for chasing Hughes Kuzmenko. hunting. Hughes hunting was a good one. Bert, little snoozer. Let's see if we get anything here. Another young gun, but uh, nothing special. All right, our young gun is a Philip Hollander from the Penguins. So shout out Zephyr hey, you Epic. Know what? Good this folks. is the 
this is the closest we've come to an hour, I think, in a long time. This oh, show no. is about to hit an oh, hour. No, 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 like, no. we're a minute away, about 30 seconds away from hitting an hour. Yeah, but, but Al- we can't let that happen. No, so let's real, wrap it Alex up. will shut it off. Alex knows he's on the clock till 2, and then he's done. He's out of here. But me and Harm have gone over an hour. All right, wrap it up. I'm out of here. All right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Alex Lard, our thanks again to Ryan Pike of Flames Nation for joining us on this episode. My name is Dave Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hit the composition or the orchestra, whatever it's called. I already forgot, Alex. Hit it. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?